well, 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 well. Once again, welcome to the Inspired Minds Podcast. My name is Jeff Watson. I am indeed your gracious and your grateful host. How are you all doing today, tomorrow, this evening, 3 a.m.? Good day here. Boy, have I got that down. It's been a minute since I've done that. Haven't done one of these shows in a little bit. Been busy with life. How about that? Not that anybody cares. However, what you will care about, hopefully, is this next interviewee, Mr. Marco De Molina. Marco is a Grammy-nominated film producer. Um, actually won for uh, Best Music Video Producing for Little, non, little Nas X. I can't even say it. Uh, the hyper-controversial <laughs> video where he dressed up like Satan, freaked all the Republicans out, thank God. We had a lovely conversation. He has a company called Space Brain Entertainment and making some good stories. Um, has a show called uh, El Rey on uh, Netflix with the mighty, about the story about the mighty Vincente Fernandez, famous Mexican singer. Guy's got a lot of stuff. We had a great time. We talked about being, working at, uh, I talked about working at a video store. He talked about getting like CDs and movies when he was in Mexico as a kid. Incredible conversation. Love this guy. Um, as always, I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did making it because he was a hell of a dude. Uh, we'll talk soon. Ciao for now. Here comes the smart guy. Bye. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inspired Minds podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the lovely and talented Mr. Marco de Molina. Please say hi to the lovely audience, Mr. Marco. Oh, well, Jeff. Hi. Hi, everybody. And thank you for having me on. I'm uh, greatly looking forward to this. Um, so Marco, just for the listening audience, it's a like this guy nominated for a Grammy as a film producer, which I love. And uh, you've also got um, Space Brain Entertainment, which I really want to talk about. I got to say off the top, though, I love your site, the Space Brain site, because it has that amazing circle for the... Um, little circle, uh, the, the little circles navigating. Brilliant. Yeah, you know, that's a, a... I have to credit my wife. She, her and her... Uh, creative team and, and web developers, uh, we decided to to work on it and then she took it off and then, um, I mean, she took off with it and it's just like, we're really happy with it. It's really cool. Amazing. So, I mean, yeah. so the first question I always like to ask, which is the same question on this little show, which is when you were young, what was the first thing that you can recall that truly lit you up? Song, book, something that inspired you? Oh my goodness. Uh, when I was a child, uh, my parents used to take me to the movies and then uh, for very early age, right? Because my parents were very movie aficionados, but nothing to do with the industry whatsoever. And then I just took it to the next level because we will finish watching a movie and then uh, I will cry my, my life out until we had to stay and watch the film twice or sometimes three times. So my favorite character growing up was Ultraman, believe it or not. But Ultraman, like, did you say? I'm sorry, yeah. time out. Ultraman? Ultraman, yeah. Uh -huh. I, know that, I know that you're a, a, a video store physician. Yes. So Ultraman, but life completely changed when I saw Star Wars for the first time. Uh -huh. And then I was like, what is that? And, you know, I'm originally from Mexico City, and I grew up in a tiny suburb outside of, uh, outside of the big city. So in the 80s, you didn't have any access to anything you you will get whatever whatever the magazines will arrive to that part of the you know corner of the world uh from you know hollywood basically so we'll, we'll see the movies but you never knew 
how how is that made? So it was a universe that it seemed like it was like you know uh, godly almost. Uh, that that was my first inspiration, and ever since the reason our company is called Space Brain is because. Uh, well, now it is because, you know, I'm the space, my my wife, Rosa, she's the brain, basically. But they used to call me that when I was a child because I was just always, after watching Star Wars, I was lost drawing enormous battles in, in like uh, in on the walls or gigantic pieces of paper drawing every kind of epic battles, invasions, or, or you know, whether it's like, uh, I mean, all kinds. And, and also I used to draw rock shows, believe it or not. Yeah, I will get the the Rolling Stone magazines and see like Iron Maiden in front of an audience, and I will just basically draw that in in uh, in uh, I don't know, like you know, uh, two by two feet uh, square of paper. Wow, you're kidding! Yeah, so my mom will be like, Marco, 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 come down, come down, and it's like, where are you? It seems like you're lost in space, so hence a space break. But you know, you know that uh, Night Train song by Guns N' Roses. Which I do. Every bands and it's like you know uh, flying like an airplane, feeling like a space frame one more time tonight. But so it's a lot of connotations. Very, very rock and roll. That's fantastic. I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan. That's <laughs> amazing. Um, my life, that band is <laughs> so good. So I got to ask this. So as a producer, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of your job is finding stories, and I personally. I mentioned earlier, I'm a therapist and I love the idea of storytelling as therapy because, mm-hmm. and I want your thoughts on this, but I, I believe that we all have stories floating around us every day mm-hmm. with a beginning and a middle and an end, usually vignettes, little vignettes. And when it's just a matter of finding them, like being story aware, or I tell my younger clients, like be a story hunter and find stories. Yeah. So I wanted to get your opinion on that about like, how do you find stories? What's your impulse? What grabs you? That kind of a thing. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think um, I've been a storyteller all my life. And I guess one of the nicest compliments I will get is like uh, people will say like, Marco, you make, you make going to a, a car insurance convention uh, very interesting. It's like I will never heard anyone having that much fun there. And I'll be like, well, I think it just depends on how you tell it. And yeah, you're right. I think as a story hunter, that is, I love that term. Uh, um, some, I guess some of us are born with some, I want to call it the power of, of serving and then and then taking you know people in, let's say. So there's a story everywhere in every corner that you that you go. Uh, I'm very inspired by um, things that move me a lot. It's just the, the underdog achieving. Nothing will get me more emotional than someone in a movie getting like a standing ovation. I always break down. So uh, in, I guess to go back to your original question, sorry, I'm not the, the, the most proficient in podcasts. No, it's so, okay. Neither am I. So I can do my computer, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm, Stories that move me are basically like overachieving and achieving and, and that's it. But the way we find our stories, you know, a lot of things are come because I love working with creative people and I'm surrounded by creative people all, all the time. And then for, for we're avid screenplay readers and my wife and I, and then for, I think for every 30 screenplays that we read a month, 
one will be like, oh, this is cool and let's just develop it into, you know, hopefully we'll go into making it a final picture. And knowing how hard to make movies nowadays is, uh, we're, we're right now kind of like starting our catapulting with, with films that we can easily make that, you know, that we can call the actors that we know that, you know, name actors because you have to package your films name actress and then and then collaborating with them, developing cool stories. But at the same time, right now we're working on like the, the dream films. So um, I've been doing some horror films lately and for somehow I'm, horror uh, horror is not like I wouldn't say like my 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 genre that my go-to genre, let's say, but I'm good at making them. So they they keep calling me, but I feel like if I could make just one romantic comedy and one action movie a year, I'll die a happy man. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm glad you like that, that story hunter term because I look out for it now myself, you know, they're, they're just, they're just flying around. It's like butterflies all the time. Oh yeah. And I bet you as a therapist, you hear like all kinds of interesting stories that you can totally spend, spin them off into some, so yeah, if you if you come with a good idea, let me know. Come across a good idea, just let me know. We'll spin it off. Yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure you'll uh, relate to this too. Somebody told me one time. I asked him. I said, "Why do you like being a therapist?" And he said, "Man, I just love to watch the show." <laughs> That's like you know, it's a, it's interesting. I'm I'm I'm. You know how everybody has like the the, the friend that you can go have drinks with, that you can go do these things with, and everything. And then uh, I think I'm the friend that. Uh, people call me, it's like, you know, you're, you're a good listener. So there's power in that. Absolutely. You know, the one thing also too, that I realized about, about storytelling is there's, there's sort of two, and again, I want your opinion on this, but there's sort of two elements to it. One is you have to write the story and whatever that means. It's, you know, telling, it's a poem, it's a song, it's a, it's a, a movie, whatever it is. Uh-huh. The most difficult part is finding it. Oh yeah. I, I think it's, you know, of course, there's a million and one stories around around you, but it's always the one that I have. I, I think when I was younger, I just wanted to write everything, and, to, and and I thought every story would be, you know, worth, let's say, a a, a story for 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 the term of us, what the story means. You know, like you said, beginning, middle, end, and the, and everything. But now it's just. Uh, not every story is worth exploring, turning it into a story, let's say. Sure. Um, so now we're just like, I'm, I'm more, I think as I'm, I, I'm growing up more in this industry and all, just learning to discern which will make a good one and, do one, and not just get excited because it's just cool in the, in the moment. Correct. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so now, speaking of the past, I really uh-huh. want to go to. I really want to get into the video store world. So, for the audience, I used to work at a video store, at a later a music store. Two of the best jobs I ever had. But working at the video store because it was videos and it was VHSs and some DVDs. But it's where I learned everything. It's where I learned about yeah. Kurosawa. It's where I learned about David Lynch. It's where I learned about you know all these amazing directors. So that's where I got my PhD in film. <laughs> <laughs> you and Tarantino, exactly. Which, weirdly enough, actually, I used to uh, I used to live right down the street from where he worked, the video store. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what do you think about that? What do you What are your thoughts on your video store experiences? You know, I think. Uh, well, I I I never worked at 
and, and one myself, but I think this will tell you, I used to skip classes in high school to go in and basically browse the entire, uh, the entire shelves of, a, of the, or my local video store. And I will just, fun fact, I will just, you know, befriend the, befriend the, the, the guys or the girls that worked at the video store and then, you know, bring treats or bring something, whatever, because whenever the new releases will arrive, the, I will be the first call, you know, they will call me, uh, which they were, I guess they were not supposed to, but they will call me. It's like, Hey, they're, they're arriving this afternoon. And then I'll just be there first to just grab it. And, and I, yeah, I used to skip classes to be there. So uh, like you, I, my dad used to tape on the TV, the part where the subtitles were. And that's basically, I learned English at a very early age. I, I learned English at school. You know, we had English classes growing up as a child. But I think I perfectioned my English for, um, in by watching movies. So he will put masking tape on the subtitle area. And I just watch it like, well, I don't understand what it's saying. It's like, well, figure it out. <laughs> wow, no kidding. Um, what were some of the films that you learned English from? Do you remember? Oh, definitely Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Uh, another film that I can I can recite, you know, back and forth. They say, yeah, The Lost Boys. And such a such a funny story because you know, then eventually I became friends with Kiefer Sutherland here in LA. But back in the day, in the eighties, when I saw that film, I that's why I have long hair and earrings, and I started riding motorcycles. So it shaped me so much. And also, you know, I remember. Uh, when I was like a 13 year old there, I had a crush on, a, you know, the, 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 the local cute girl on my, on my street, on my block. And I was making her drawings and she thought I was very cute. But one day that I finished this massive drawing, I came over and her new boyfriend came to pick her up in a, in a cool 70 CV 750 Honda and leather jacket and the, you know, the, the hot dude that she hops off and blows me a kiss. And it's like, Oh, thank you for the drawing. And then rides away. And I was like, that just changed my life forever. So I was like, I'm going to make a movie about that one day. <laughs> amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's so much. I love the fact by the way that they called you. So the, yeah, so the lost boys was a big, a big inspiration. Also how I learned a lot of uh, English expressions. You know. <laughs> the lost boys of all things. <laughs> I know. All I can think of right now is the big guy with the saxophone playing at the end of the Oh, is he still around? You know, oh my god, what a great song! Yeah, yeah I know that was <laughs> Lost Boys. It's a great movie. Joel Schumacher, I think you like Joel Schumacher. Yeah, um, actually, can I tell you my world famous Joel Schumacher story? Please, I know you'd like this. So. One of my favorite stories ever. So in 1995 or so, maybe I was at a uh, like a little Mexican restaurant, like on on uh, Melrose, and all of, and I'm getting a burrito for like me and my girlfriend, and then um, all of a sudden they hear this laughing behind me, and it's, I hear this like, "Oh, stop! Oh, you just stop, stop!" And I turn around, and there's Joel Schumacher, and he's sitting with uh, what I imagine is his boyfriend, young boyfriend. Uh-huh. And I know who he is immediately, but he reaches out his hand and he says. Hello, I'm sorry. My 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 friend over here and I were commenting how lovely you look and how beautiful you are. And I'm like, oh, thanks. He goes, I'm Joel Schumacher. I make pictures. <laughs> reaches out his reaches out his hand. I'm like, uh, okay. And then he says, we were thinking about maybe if you and my if you could come with uh, he and I back to my house and just talk about a career. <laughs> what? 
I am not joking. <laughs> but the highlight of it, the punchline was that as I walked out, because I said, that was nice of you. I got a girlfriend back at the house. And I was like, whatever about it. Yeah. And I walked out and then Joel Schumacher literally yells out loud, what an exit. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a little bit of that in this town, I suppose. No, yeah. I mean, I didn't care about the hitting on thing. I just thought it was funny that he was, you know, great exit. Like it was such a <laughs> quick exit. <laughs> That's my uh, my world famous uh, Joel Schumacher story. Oh so, my God. I really, uh, those are fun days. Um, so well, you've, been in, sorry, you've been in LA for for a while then. Are you uh, yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, I live now up in uh, Burlingame, just south of San Francisco. But I was in LA from 1990 to 2016. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah a while. I was there a long time, sure. And so that reminds me. So you now, you know, lived in LA for a long time. I worked in the music business. So I was on a lot of music video sets um, uh-huh. because it was just my job. I paid for the budget. So I was always on set. So I never, you know, produced one necessarily, but I am deathly curious about some of your experiences, mm-hmm. especially. So you, you won the best music video producer for Little Nas X, right, Montero? Yeah, we, we got nominated for, for a Grammy for a Best Music Video with Montero. And oh. then uh, it took a couple of VMAs in a UK, UK uh, MVA. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, a, that, was, that was a lot of fun doing that during the pandemic, for sure. I can imagine. Um, which, off- which one was that that offended everybody? Was it, was it that one too? Yeah, that's the one. I mean, I guess uh, several others, but this one was pretty controversial. Uh, it reached a hundred million views in the, the first week, which was, you know, really um, impressive. But I remember a buddy of mine, uh, a director, texted me in the middle of the night, and he's like, "Dude, turn it to this thing." And uh, Rudy Giuliani was like on 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 a show talking about it and how like disturbing and like uh-huh. so appalled by it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy!" And some friends, you know. As the years go by, you you get a privilege to have friends worldwide, and then people from all over the planet were writing to me saying, "Dude, this thing is just like blowing up here, and it's crazy." So it was very, very, very cool to work on something so, you know, uh, what is the word? Not shocking, but so controversial and so um, attention calling for, for for you know every music video has its own audience and some are really big and cool and fun and everything but this was was something something interesting to see how even the 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 hate messages that i was getting on on instagram uh you're gonna go to hell how could you do this thing and like i mean it's just funny wow and it was just because he was dressed up like a devil right uh i think the whole thing is because yeah he's he he gives the uh he gives satan a lap dance in a very you know sultry way so so that just disturbed a lot of people yeah in fact what was it like getting all those comments and for you well i mean it's, it's interesting but i always compare it to kind of like uh every generation has something like this and i remember yeah. do, you, do you remember when um uh the madonna video uh, that she did, and there's some like you know uh, crosses burn. I forget the name right now. I always have it in top of my. I'm not the best at podcasts. So like a virgin? 
No, not like a version. Oh, no. Um, um, life is a mystery, right? Where she, yeah. Do you know which one, right? That she starts yeah, yeah. kissing with the, with the saint yep. and uh, like a prayer. Oh, like, there you go, like a prayer. That's it. That was very controversial when it came out. Oh, yeah. You know, I was living in Mexico City, I remember, and at the time, and I used to work at a massive and security company. And I am no bodyguard material because I'm like very small. Oh. And I was very skinny at the time. So, but I was bilingual. So I worked with a ton. I mean, every artist that passed through Mexico City in like 91, 92, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, Madonna, Michael Jackson, uh, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins. Uh, Shanita O'Connor gave me a hat as a present. Really? Yeah, and then I, I met every, all these all these folks. I had to work with them. Obviously, my highlight was when I worked the Metallica and Guns N' Roses. I couldn't believe it. But I remember when Madonna was going to play Mexico City. I mean, there were like protests and things, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is wicked!" How how I was I was very moved by the power of music, and I always knew that I wanted to be a part of it somehow. But you know, like I said, growing up where I did. You don't know where to start in anything like that right. at all. And then fast forward 20, 30 years later, I'm working on like one of the most controversial, I'm producing one of the most controversial videos of this time, you know? So it's cool. Yeah. You, I mean, it, it, you were creating art in that video, in my opinion. Yeah, we, we, we all did. Uh, the director, Tano, she's, she's a, she's a mad visionary. She's amazing. So the, the visuals that, the visuals that she and Little Nas came up with, and you know, um, me, I have to just make it happen. So make, 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 it's like a, it's just, it's assembling a kitchen so a chef, the director, can make the best cake possible. And then, because you can have a great idea for a recipe, but if you don't have the good ingredients in the right kitchen, the right staff, your idea doesn't work. Basically, you know. So it's a. I love this industry because it's it's a uh, it's it's the most collaborative um, uh, industry I've ever been a part of. I've done a lot of things in my life, but making making motion pictures, you know, the 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 best products or the best projects, in my opinion or in my experience, is when everybody is on the same page and everybody collaborates and brings ideas, and it's, it's amazing. I love it. I love that kitchen metaphor. I've I've talked to a lot of producers before, and I've I've never heard that one. I like yeah, that. because you know, it, it, I don't know if you've seen around those those t-shirts that said like, yeah, directors direct, cinematographers photograph, actors act, producers question mark. It's like, what is it that we do? So when every every time anyone uh, asks me, so what does a producer do? And I said, well, think of it like we have to make a cake. And then once you determine that you're making a wedding cake, anniversary cake, birthday cake, or whatever type of cake, then then that's how you, that's how I start. And then I'm like, okay, who's going to be the best chef for this cake? And then once you understand the type of budget that you have, because you can have a, a wedding cake with like a you know one tier, two, three, five, six, you know, seven story cake. So that's how you work. And then I find the best kitchen, and I find the best sous chefs, and the sugar, and the eggs, and then. You regulate everything that is going to go so that the director or the chef can make the best cake. Once I have the cake, then we have to go and sell that damn cake. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how, that's that's my analogy, and, and everybody seems to understand it. So 
when they ask, it's like, okay, so you put everything. Yeah, I'm responsible for making sure that the, the cake is delivered. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm stealing that one. Um, without, and there's, there's many more things I want to get to here, but without naming names, if you want, mm-hmm. um, can you give me one of the craziest experiences you've had on the set? Because I can tell you mine and I will name names. Oh, you know, there's, um, I think there's, you know, we, we all have our, our fun stories and horror stories. It will be difficult for me to say in any of them because it will definitely, everybody knows when that, <laughs> everybody course. knows when that happened and everything. So I think I, I will say that the, the fun stories and the horror stories, um, I will tell you this, uh, some are fun and some are very difficult and, uh, but I just generally have been, I'm like Mr. Silver Lining. That's what people, my, my, my friends know me for. So I'd like take the best of the, the, try to make the best experience out of the worst case scenarios. So I think I can just say that, but I will tell you something really cool. Please. So I left the entertainment industry altogether, like around 2004, kind of. I was like, you know, this is not working for me after several attempts. And I was always like very close to like, I had a script and it was almost, almost made by, you know, like a studio. And then I had another thing and it almost got it. And then I was in almost, almost, and I was like, you know what? I, I came to terms and I was like, I don't think this is for me. So I left it all together. And then about 2010 on a Thanksgiving, I met this guy and this guy named Brian and just talking. I was like, dude, you look like an actor. You could, you're really handsome. It's like, and he was heartbroken. I was going through a heartbreak. And then we were just kind of like, you know, having some champagne at this thing, Thanksgiving. And I said, Hey, you could be an actor. He's like, Oh, thanks, man. Well, unbeknownst to me, this was Brian Krause, who was a big star from the TV show Charmed and, you know, the pretty boy from Return to the Blue Lagoon and everything. And then him and I, we became really good friends. I didn't know he was an actor until we were at the, uh, I used to live in Calabasas and we were at Sagebrush Cantina and some girls came over. It's like, hey, can we take a photo with you? And I was like, hey, dude, you're so handsome. It's like, all these girls want to take photos with you. you. Make me look like an onion next to you. So one day I just Googled him. And I was like, dude, why didn't the hell you tell me that you're like, I'm sorry, I don't want to curse. Why didn't you tell me that you were this, this, this guy? And it's like, well, I thought you knew anyway. So in 2011, he said, you should quit your job. Yeah, I think you will make a good producer. Let's go make movies. And I went totally millennial and I quit my job. And uh, in 2013, I cast him to be uh, the, the lead on a, on a Queen Strike music video that I did. <laughs> I know. And, I saw. Yeah, we were just sitting on the stairs having a smoke one day. And it's like, you know, two, three years ago, I told you, quit your job. Let's go make movies. And now you're casting me on stuff. So, and now I have worked with him on many things. So he's my kind of like my godfather on, on this whole thing. So that's a fun story, I think. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Um, I will quickly tell you my two. I don't know if you're familiar with the director, Sam Bayer, who directed the Nirvana videos and all that back in the day. The, the director what? Uh, Sam Bayer. He was the one that directed the original, uh, the Teen Spirit videos. He was a big video director. Oh, I am not familiar with him. I should look him up. Oh, yeah. he's done. He did a ton of videos back in the day. Um, uh-huh. um, but he's also known for being a raging it's like one of those like tyrannical directors. Um, and I was on a video set for My Chemical Romance and then he was directing it and he pulls into the set on a big um, yellow Lamborghini. <laughs> Back in the day. It was the day of those. 
Yeah. And by the way, I also met, um, I went to Michael Bay studio for some weird reason. And he also pulled up in a, it was a green Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that, that was I, know, I, I, I think the, the days of uh, music video directors arriving in, in super exotic cars are not really too much nowadays. No, no. In fact, that's a yeah, good question. Watches, actually. The watches back then were massive to make a, uh, any videos, provided they were also, you know, being shown on film. But now it's, it's a different story. It's a different media. It but, is. Yeah, for me, music videos were like the catapult. I mean, I always... I always knew when I wanted to go to make, you know, long format and um, narrative, but I am, everybody has a different story and everybody arrives to their destinations, you know, uh, in different ways. For me, music videos was a catapult. And I'm glad that I did it because uh, music videos teach you to work. You have to work very fast, very fast and have this massive creative ideas you know, make them happen in a short amount of time with, with you know, uh, let's just call it music video budgets. And then sometimes they're lofty, sometimes they're, they're, they're tight. But nevertheless, I enjoyed so much um, making the budget and everything work for the creative of this, of the of any given project. And that really taught me now moving into because I don't I don't do music videos too much anymore or I haven't done in a, in a, in a minute. Um, but moving to narrative, it allowed me to just when people say like, oh, my God, but that's going to I'm like, no, we can do it. Trust me, we can do it. Now we can do it. Now we can totally do it. <laughs> and then and then everybody's like, but Marco, it's going to be like, trust me, we can do it. And then we do it. And they're like, oh, my goodness. It's just, you know, um, Logistics, logistics, and, and logistics, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it, so. How do you because because again, I'm a big video music guy. You know, watch MTV when it was when it first started. Oh ever my since God, me too. Right, like MTV was like, and it was think about this too. Actually, MTV was a national, if not international, radio station. Yeah, well, I didn't I didn't know it as a radio station. I there, there was a friend, kind of like the, the the rich kid of the of, of my my community <laughs> where I grew up that had remember like in the in the eighties you know some people had like those parabolic antennas oh yeah and uh, he had one so he will catch uh, MTV and then I will just come over and watch you know obsessively watch music videos and fun fact about Marco I don't think I've shared this with much people but. Back in, yeah, in the 80s, I auditioned for um, the equivalent of the MTV of Mexico. It was called Video Rock. And then I got a chance to introduce a, uh, are you, a Lenny Kravitz, Are You Gonna Go My Way? And, oh, yeah. and Paula Abdul, um, what was that hit that she had in the 80s? Um, uh, get Up get up and Tell Me, Catch Up and, um, I'm forgetting. Um, and... Yeah, I was a, I introduced to music videos and and I you know in my family in my family the the way to life it was like you have to study get a degree get a job and you know the traditionals so any arts were not really like the 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 formula so I just did it once but yeah obsessively MTV and music videos amazing yeah MTV was my life I want to now I want to go into something that I'm extremely curious about. 
So I saw that you have the El Rey uh, Vicente Hernandez uh, oh. series. Yeah, so it was that was an awesome project uh, because for 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 my wife and I was obviously a significant project as a company and in, in our careers. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, uh, because up until that point I have not done anything in Spanish, and although our first pro- my first production company was called Veva Entertainment V E V A. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was because my mom's uh, name is Genoveva. So I, after she passed, I just decided to call the company Viva Entertainment. But everybody calls it Viva Entertainment. So Viva sounds like, you know, Viva Mexico, Viva Mexico. And uh, so everybody thought that I'm, like because I'm from Mexico or I have an accent uh, that I did content in Spanish. And I was like, sure, I haven't done anything in Spanish whatsoever. So uh, up until... We did that in 2022. Yeah, 22. So we we basically are the production company. There were two production companies, and we are like the U.S. version. So we produce the segments where Vicente Fernandez, who is a um, you know multi Grammy award winning uh, singer, a mariachi mm-hmm. singer from Mexico, super international star. Uh, his it's a biopic about his life, and then we produce the segments when. Uh, Vicente Fernandez comes to LA in 1966 and Texas in 1976. So it was amazing for me to collaborate with now, you know, uh, Mexican um, crews and, and artists and everything mm-hmm. and stuff in Spanish because I have never done it. But funny enough, I, you know, when I moved out of Mexico City in 1998, mm-hmm. I, I go now on vacation or like to visit family and, and, and et cetera. But I didn't learn filmmaking there, so it was very interesting for me to just learn the the lingo and to work uh, to work with an international crew, and that was great because that opened the door for now, like all the other projects that we're doing and developing with you know with other countries and other people. Yeah. So it was amazing, but the, the surprise was like when it came out, and it was like we were the series was like in the top ten on Netflix for a whole month, it was like, oh my gosh. So that will tell you the audience that really, really liked that singer. And it was really cool because he had just passed away like uh, the Christmas before. So oh. it was very special, especially for me, you know, being from Mexico and growing up with those songs. I mean, it was awesome. It was a great experience. And the team from Mexico, um, 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 Carlos Giovanni, who's the executive producer, he's like now, you know, we're brothers basically. So it's really cool. Sure. Yeah. I, so <clears throat> I did my research on, on him and I utterly fascinated. I, I'm familiar with him a little bit, um, but would in my you, research. Carlos Giovanni, would you? I'm sorry? Uh, with, with the producer, with Gio? Uh, well, with the, just the character or the character. Oh, like, sorry. Definitely. The man himself, yeah. And first of all, I love that he was called, somebody I saw called him the Mexican Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, or the Mexican Elvis, because he, whenever he came to play in LA, it will be like, you know, sold out, you know, four nights in a row. It was massive, massive, massive. And not, not, not just LA, but like, you know, worldwide. So yeah, big, big singer. Absolutely. And it's really interesting too, because I know that people in America really have no, well, not a lot, have a have an idea about him, um, but I've actually been down to Mexico uh, for 
like kind of the, the rock and Espanol world. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So I worked with Caifanas. I worked with Maldita Vecindad, some of these big rock bands from the day. And I know that rock is really big down there. Can you maybe explain to me a bit why? I'm curious. Um, well, you know, it's, uh, there's actually a really cool uh, documentary on Netflix, and I will have to tell you the, the name. I watched it, and um, I'm really good friends with Sergio Arau, which is one, I think, one of say like the uh, pioneers of uh, rock and español. And uh, uh, yeah, rock and español. So he was uh, um, one of the three members of Botellita de Jerez, which is translates to like cherry wine little bottle, you know. Um, but uh, the guy is brilliant, and he's he's one of the pioneers of this movement. And I think uh, I, I I I wouldn't be the right person to really go too deep into it because I'm not like a, I don't want to sound I'm not a historian, and I don't want to sound too. Um, uh, uneducated on the on the term, but I can tell you as a as a um, as a fan myself of rock music, it was great to have not just listening to you know Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or like a Metallica of the days, but now you have it also in Spanish and this amazing bands and this amazing sounds and to, for me now to have the option that I want to listen to to rock in English and Spanish, or even I speak Japanese, so I can even like, uh, you know, bands like X. It's just awesome to me to listen to different, to listen to rock in different languages. So I think uh, uh, I got to live, uh, growing up in the eighties, I got to live the, the birth of so many awesome bands and that to this day, they're still rocking. And, and I wanted to really work with a few of them, but it was hard for me to get into a market that I was not, you know, you know how it is. They, they, you have to show that you have done stuff for people yeah. to give you uh, stuff to do. And it's the chicken and the egg. So I was already too much in English that I couldn't get into Spanish money. So doing El Rey, it was great for me. I, I, I love your passion. I love what you're doing. Um, I want to go back for a second, just on Vincente for, for a heartbeat. Uh-huh. I did see that, that he had a farewell concert and he played 40 songs for more than four hours and he did it in front of 80,000 people for free. Uh, Vicente Fernandez? I'm sorry? Oh, I, I'm sorry. Who, who do you say? Oh, this is Vicente Fernandez. Oh, um, I'm, you know, oh, don't crucify me. I'm, I'm not familiar with that concert, but I know that he did, he did a lot of, um, he sang a lot sometimes just like because he loved it, you know? Uh, he reached a level of stardom and obviously wealth and his son too, Alejandro, that they would just, I guess, see, uh, do concerts just because for the love of it, I suppose. I, it, I love the fact that he is this icon and I love the fact that he was a leader. I also love the fact that this is one of my, one of my favorite quotes. He said that he would spit on Donald Trump and have support for Hillary Clinton. I thought that was really interesting. I yeah. didn't hear that one, but yeah, I guess... No, knowing knowing him or knowing the rest of the world probably will say the same. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Going backwards for a second also on the music thing, um, what were some of the bands that, because you mentioned Led Zeppelin and you mentioned Pink Floyd and some of the some of the earlier ones, what were some of the other bands that kind of lit you up? You mentioned Metallica a bit. Oh, I mean, I think my first love for music came from uh, Pink Floyd mm-hmm. uh, via a friend that I had growing up that he was much older 
and he had uh he lived in the states and then he went back to mexico and then uh he knew a lot of music so i would just come to over to his place and we just sit down and listen to records you know for over and over and over and pink floyd i fell in love with with guitars i i collect guitars now so uh, I, I, I play very little. I know, I know only like the seven major and minor chords, but I'm like a total closet guitar player in my living room, you know? <laughs> so, uh, and, and it's funny because, you know, my wife, she's a classically trained violinist in, in, uh, in, um, so I'm a little shy sometimes to play in front of her because what the hell do I know about, about playing, but you just put your headphones and rock out. But, but yeah, Pink Floyd, uh, The Doors were my, my were my first day uh, loves. Then I discovered Metallica, and then I went into total metal metal world. And uh, but funny enough, I had to my friends at the time. I had I had my what do you call it? My guilty pleasures. So I was listening to I was listening to Belinda Carlisle and and Wham with with one of my friends watching. So. <laughs> Belinda Carlisle. Wow. Mad about you, the single. <laughs> oh my gosh. Circle in the sand. I mean, I was crazy about Belinda. Oh, she's uh, she's amazing. I'm a huge fan of hers too. Yeah. But, but at the same time, uh, you know, Stevie Nicks, I like all, every, everything, everything that came from, I guess, from the U S and the UK at the time, the seventies, eighties, I, I, I just consumed it like voraciously. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it, it's, you sound a lot like me because I was the same way. I would, you know, watch MTV and I was transfixed with my friends. We would just be watching MTV and, you know, yeah. seeing all these crazy new wave bands. Yeah, obsessively, obsessively. I, I, I'm telling you, I used to skip school to to go and sit down at, at, at the equivalent of Blockbuster in Mexico. We okay. had a, 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 some stores called Video Centro. And then I will just sit there and browse the entire things and then take, take, they only allowed you to take, I don't know how many tapes, um, uh, at once. But since I befriended the, the folks there, they were, I will always take like, you know, eight and tapes, excuse me, at once and then watch them all the whole, the whole time. And, uh, and then for the record store, like Tower Records, we had mix up. Oh my goodness. I'm traveling in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever seen that video uh, as um, Radiohead Creep? And it is Johnny Depp and the Gainsborough Girl. Um, oh, my gosh. I always wish I made that video. To me, it's like the, it, it epitomizes my, 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 my teenage days. I was that guy just like in, in lost in record stores and fantasizing about the songs and the lyrics and the stories. And when the CDs came out, goodness gracious. And remember they, I mean, for me, it was awesome because they had like the little booklets and, and more often than not, they will have the lyrics. And that's just amazing. Isn't it though? And, you know, I'm getting more and more of the sense how wonderful it must have been to be transported because you were living in a, I would imagine, a smallish town. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you were exposed to all these things, it must have been just like massive influx of holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You have no idea because, you know, another fun story is I, I remember that movie, The Deep, yeah. Nick Nolte and Jacqueline Bissett. And- yeah. 
I remember I watched that film and I was just, like you say, transfixed with, with her basically. And then I had the poster and then, and I watched that film and I thought it was like, what have an amazing film to make and the underwater stuff. And like, I don't know. It's just, it really, really, really was very important film for me. Um, I got invited to the premiere of the Revenant and I were at the, was at the Fox or Sony lot? One of those, I can't remember. And the bar, just, you know, hanging out with a friend of mine. And then I hear this voice asking for a, for a, for a Tom Collins and I turn around and it's Jacqueline Bisset and I couldn't believe it. So I just, you know, I did what everybody does. I was like, Hey, I, I never do this, but can I take a photo with you? <laughs> by the way, I just, I, I don't, I'm, I remember just now, actually, the deep was written by uh, Peter Benchley who did the uh, Jaws movie too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, if, if, if I can show you my, you know, when, when I watched that film, Almost Famous, I really related a lot with that. Oh, tell me why. Yeah. So I just, I, I wish that was my story, but you know, that didn't happen in quote, Tlaniscali, uh, Mexico. That's <laughs> not a lot of opportunities to hang out with bands and write a Rolling Stone. <laughs> yeah. So all my friends, all my friends now that I still have friends from, from the childhood days and everything, they're like, you know, it's so cool that you're doing what you're doing because you were always talking about that stuff. So, yeah, it sort of surprises me that I'm that I'm here. It's Sometimes. it's wonderful. You know, it's funny. I talk to my clients about this a lot because I experienced it. When I talk about North Stars a lot, and that you know, the 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 Vikings they traveled by the North Star. They didn't have sextants. They didn't have compasses. Right. Right. And when you have that North Star, it's what's going to guide you. It's going to keep. It's going to keep you going. So I always encourage people to find that North Star. Right. And I think there are multiple North Stars within our lifetimes, but at least there's one at a particular moment. And that's going to carry you through. And it sounds to me like you had a fucking North Star. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I had 50 of them. I think um, I was I was now in college in uh, the late 90s and I started graphic design and photography and a minor in business. And um, I remember going to um to the movies and in between, you know, classes and breaks. And I saw Great Expectations by Alfonso Cuaron. Funny enough, you know, he's, it's not one of his favorite films that he's made, but that movie changed me. And then after that, I was, when I watched that film, I was like, I'm, I'm moving to LA. That's it. I'm moving to Hollywood. And it was such a revelation for me. Uh, and Gattaca also, funny enough, both with yeah. I just watched that again for the first time. I watched it again like, two weeks ago. I love that movie. Funny enough with uh, with Ethan Hawke both. But, uh, but yeah, those two films were such a revelation for me. And I said, I have to, I have to go. And I graduated. I lived in a jungle for two months um, because I said, it was part of my thesis. I was taking photos for the World Wildlife Fund for the last Mayan tribes that still live there. And... And I came back, but, but I also was like, you know, this is such a humbling thing that I'm going to be doing because I'm moving to LA and it's Hollywood and like my life is going to be like all that. And so I wanted to do this humbling thing before I went <laughs> to Hollywood. Unbeknownst <laughs> to me, like my first month of living in LA, I'm sleeping in a hostel in front of the Chinese theater, you know? <laughs> so, and then there's so many, another time I'll tell more fun stories of me coming to LA, but. 
Uh, sure. But I, I didn't know a single soul. So, yeah, movies were such a revelation for me. Well, yeah, you know, and I, my knowledge start getting back to the point, my knowledge start were s- s- several things, several things. I would imagine. And you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. First of all, I've had an amazing time talking to you. I really have. I love talking yeah, to you. Sorry. sorry, it's like a, uh, uh, um, I'm a little awkward, I think, because I feel like I'm just like staring at my computer. <laughs> oh, so am I, but we've had a nice talk. <laughs> so here's how, I, here's how I like to end these things. Um, yeah, hopefully you will enjoy this. <laughs> so I'm going to pretend to say goodbye. You're going to pretend to say goodbye. I'll, I'll lead, and then we're going to hang up, or the fake hang up, and I'll talk to you for a second after. Fair enough? <laughs> I love that. Okay, I'm going to put my acting face on, here, or acting voice on. Here we go. Um, no, I, I really have a, had an absolutely fantastic time. Like I said, any video nerd is a friend of mine, and I've, I've learned an amazing amount from you. So thank you. Your turn. Go ahead. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jeff. This was great. Uh, you know, always humble to be part of, like, a podcast and spend some time with, you know, folks like you. Thank you for doing this and uh, sharing some stories. is always great. So... I hope your audience enjoyed this time and I'm very grateful for you inviting me. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to pretend to hang up. Here we go. One, two, and click, and we'll keep talking.